1: It's Monday, February 7th, 2022, and this is the Defender Bible Study Podcast, and I'm Mark Sly. I'll be with you today walking through Romans chapter 15. It is my joy and my honor to serve as the Vice President of International Ministries, and it is certainly a privilege to be spending time in God's Word with you today. We'll be jumping into Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 8. But before we do, I'd like to draw your attention to just a couple of things that we covered in our previous time in the Word with Blake last week. First of all, I think it's important that we look back and realize that Paul was making two incredibly important points last week. One is that we should not allow our preference to become prejudice due to our backgrounds, our experiences, personal faith journey, and yes, even trauma, we can be inclined to allow how we approach issues of personal conviction to become issues of division within the body of Christ. It's something that the church has constantly struggled with, and even something that Paul himself addresses not only here in Romans, but also in other books. You'll see it in 1 Corinthians. You'll see it again in 2 Corinthians. You'll see it in how he tells Timothy to lead the church. Uh, You'll see it over and over again in these letters. And I think there's a quote that is often attributed to Augustine of Hippo, which is really helpful to me when it comes to some of these issues. And the quote is this, in the essentials, there must be unity, in the non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. Now, You have to give the disclaimer that that quote can be really helpful, but it's most helpful if we all agree on what the essentials are, right? Like individually, we've come to the word and we've said these are the main things that scripture is teaching. And we believe that those things, through incredible amounts of study and prayer, are the most essential pieces of scripture. And the second thing, we'd have to come together with everyone else within the body of Christ and agree that we have the same view of what those essentials are. However, these are similarities in declarations that we can find actually in like things like the Westminster Confession or the Nicene Creed, or even more recently, the New City Catechism, which I would highly recommend that you visit newcitycatechism.com and look at that resource that's helpful, not only for maybe new believers, not only for uh, maybe children, they have a resource that's specifically geared or aimed at children understanding the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Uh, But it's also helpful for those who maybe have grown up in the Christian faith, have been a believer, a follower of Jesus for quite some time because it helps you categorize and just kind of very simply be able to communicate the tenets of the Christian faith in a way that's biblically sound, but also because it's a little bit more modern in its language, it's also really easy to share with others through the form of questions. But the heart of this statement, going back to that attributed to Augustine of Hippo, and what we found Paul doing was to emphasize the necessity of considering our brothers and sisters in Christ When we make a decision that we believe falls into the category of liberty, it's like Paul all of a sudden enlists the voice of our parents saying, just because you can doesn't mean you should, because Paul knows that we are not our own. And that's so important to remember. Verses uh, seven and eight of chapter 14, uh, we're reminded for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. And ultimately, in verse 12 of chapter 14, we find that we're going to give an account for the way in which we live this out, that each one of us will give an account for his actions to the Lord. So Blake walked us through how Paul continued this thought by giving us not only the exhortation to live this way, but then the second thing that Paul did was he gave us the example through the life of Christ to follow. He came, he lived, and he died with the ambition to glorify God the Father, and then lead the rest of humanity to do the same. So all this recap brings us to verse 8 of chapter 15. And beginning in verse 8, Paul is going to connect what God is doing through Christ to what God had been doing throughout all of history. Chapter 15, verse 8 reads, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all peoples extol him. In verse 12, it says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And we're going to stop there in verse 13, because I want to draw your attention to the fact that like the gospel of Matthew, Paul is connecting the dots for his Jewish audience, quoting from Psalms, from Deuteronomy, from Isaiah. And what is the crux of all of these passages that God through the Hebrew people is calling all people to himself. It's what we saw from the very beginning in Genesis 12 verses one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you In him who dishonors or curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless you. God's saying, I will make you a people and bless all people through you. When he spoke to Abraham, it's a good reminder that God's blessings are never intended to be merely experienced, but rather they are in turn to be expressed by his people. Let me say that one more time. God's blessings are never intended to be merely experienced, but rather they are to be in turn expressed. Friends, there are two cautionary truths that we need to see here. First, let this be a warning to us that when we hear someone beckoning others to follow Christ simply because of the benefits disconnected from the relationship and sacrifice that are at the core of all scripture, then we are listening to a partial, or an incomplete gospel. The second truth is this. We need to be compassionate and considerate in relating to and toward the religious, but never absent of the mission. We need to be compassionate. We need to be considerate. We need to understand that those who have come before us in the faith are the shoulders on whom we are standing. We are understanding biblical truth and what it means to follow Christ because of those who did it before us. But at the same time, when we find that there is tradition that is being elevated to the level of scripture, well, then that gets in the way and interferes with the mission. This is why one of the ministries that we do here at Lifeline, um, Families Count is what it is called. I just love it so much. It is an incredible picture of Christ coming to bear to equip parents and encourage families and to seek restoration through the gospel. Families Count as this program where we are able to go into a specific area and work with the local magistrate court in order to help families reunify with children who have maybe been lost to the foster care system or are at, or at risk to do so. so think of it this way. You have a couple of parents and maybe they've had some really difficult circumstances. Maybe they've made some poor decisions, but at this point, they're about to lose custody of their children or their children are currently in foster care. The goal of this ministry is that they would be equipped as parents to be better parents and see that relationship restored with their children, but it's done through the local church. So the local church is able then to host classes and opportunities for parents to engage through a six to eight week process where they are encouraged, where the body of Christ comes alongside of them, disciples them, cares for them, loves them well. And at the end of the day, our hope isn't just simply that this family would be reunited or prevented from being separated. Our goal is that they hear and experience the gospel. That these who may have had no connection to the life-giving truth of the gospel, no participation in fellowship and community and the benefit of the body of Christ that so many of us get to experience day in and day out. That they would then experience, see that over the course of this program and then not just be reunited with their children, but be united with Christ. And not just united with Christ in a relationship that begins, but it continues and is supported by the local body that we pray they would become a part of. It's those who are being saved by grace, gathering as of the church and extending grace and welcoming those who by any standard don't deserve it. But that's the point. None of us deserve it. May our declaration forever be that of Paul's in 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and is deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Our ministry and objective is never limited to seeing those orphaned being united or reunited with a family our hope and joy is even greater than to see them come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you may be saying, wait, what? Like, is that really true? Mark, I, I think you're maybe speaking in some heretical terms. But no, really, our ambition is even greater, and it extends beyond the point of salvation. And so is Paul's. Now, before you label me a heretic, pick up with me in verse 14, and I'll show you what I mean. Paul writes, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. What is he satisfied about? That you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been and named, but lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Think about it for a second a mother giving birth to her baby in any reasonable situation, does not merely hope for their child to be born. Likewise, we don't simply wish for someone to come to salvation or conversion. No, the desire of a mother is for their child to grow, mature, and develop into a healthy and independent adult. Even more, there is also a natural desire for that mother then to hope for grandchildren, and so on, and so on, and so on. So Paul's satisfaction, his pride, his joy, his hope, and I believe ours, should be to see the believers, whether they're in Rome or down the street, to be filled with all knowledge. Why? So that they're great theologians? No. So that they will reproduce another generation of believers to follow God's grace, leading not merely to their salvation, but their sanctification which is what we see in verse 16. He desires to see what has happened in his own life, salvation, sanctification, and replication, be experienced and expressed through every one of his readers and every one of us. Now, I want to challenge you just for a second. Think about that personally. Think about perhaps your children. Maybe they come to a saving faith and knowledge And Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Maybe you were privileged and honored and absolutely in awe of the fact that they were baptized at one point, declaring this to the rest of the world. If any one of these things would be the limit, the climax, or the end of their spiritual journey, would that not be tragic? So the same would be true if we're speaking of our pursuit every day of the mission that God has called us to. It isn't simply to see people come to salvation. It's to see them grow in that salvation, mature as believers and followers of Jesus, and then to see them invest their life in others so that they too will become disciples of Jesus. I want to take a moment and invite you to apply that to both our own journey personally and collectively. Maybe you're a family member who has worked with Lifeline in the past. Maybe uh, you are someone who has adopted through Lifeline. Maybe you have supported some of our efforts to care for children who will never be adopted. Or maybe you're just somebody who is passionate about seeing the lost, the last, and the least, the most vulnerable, hear and experience the gospel of Christ. Are we not thankful that we are not the same people that we were when we first came to faith? Think about it personally that God has been changing us, our desires, our passions, our attitudes, our actions, our awareness of who the lost, the last, and the least are, our awareness of vulnerability of children who don't even live in the same zip code, but rather God grows us from the heart out, from the inside out, to become impassioned to pursue His grace and glory expanded in the world that we live in. And not only that, but he's allowed us to have front line, front row positions in seeing this take place in lives, literally around the world. We take incredible joy in seeing how the Lord has given us opportunity to grow in our faith and to expand extend and be a part of his mission in the world. It's so much bigger than just being saved. And here is where that applies to my comment regarding children coming to saving faith and not being our, that not being our own goal. No success in a Christian life and in our mission isn't measured. It isn't measured by conversion. It's defined by disciples who passionately seek to make more disciples. I'll say that again. Like, no success in a Christian life and no success in our mission is measured by conversion. It's defined by disciples who are passionately seeking to make more disciples. I think of a young man that was adopted not long ago from China and a family that I have the privilege of being friends with. And this young man, uh, deaf uh, upon birth, grew up in an orphanage, was adopted from China, and then in this family, came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. As this young man has grown and become a young adult himself and then married, his passion wasn't simply to come to know Christ as his Lord and Savior, but rather he got married and is now coaching at a school for the deaf where he shares his faith and one day hopes to travel back to China in order to share with those from his own home country. Isn't that incredible? That's success. Lifeline success isn't in whether or not we are able to see children come into families. It's not even measured in whether or not those children come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Success looks like that child realizing that they are a part of a bigger ministry, a bigger mission that's at hand that God wants to use them in. That is success. That is worth getting up every single day and pursuing this ambition all of our lives. The idea isn't for individuals, it's for generations. And it's why we read in Psalm 145, verses one through seven, I will extol you, my God and my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Now, let's apply that collectively just a little bit more. We've celebrated at Lifeline additional offices in more and more states over the last two years. We're pursuing programs to minister to mothers and children in every single state. We're partnering with ministries literally around the world. And we've been given a facility recently that soon will provide a home base for all of these things to take place in. But as good as all of those things are, don't think for a second that this is the extent of what God is doing. Think about your own life. Think about your own church. Think about the things that God has blessed you with. I promise you, everything that you could name does not even begin to amount to what God is truly up to in your life, in the life of your loved ones, in the life of your church, in the life of the ministries that you're a part of, even a part of your daily life of going to work or school or caring for your family. God's vision for our lives and our ministry is so much bigger than those things that we could list. It's bigger than stone and steel. It's bigger than simply checking off a box, getting a paycheck, or going to and from our obligations on a day to day basis. It's amazing that we have experienced so many blessings in our lives, but it pales in comparison to what God is truly up to in our world. No, it is to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word. Indeed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, literally taking people from death to life. And guess what? And this is where we're going to land it for today. It isn't going to happen in the way that we necessarily expect it to, or maybe even want it to. Acts 16 reminds us that Paul's ambition was to head toward Asia, but he never made it. He had desired to be with those that he was writing to in Rome but he never had the opportunity to reach them. And and when he did, it was in chains. And yet he could say that from Jerusalem all the way around to every single spot that the Lord had sent him, he had fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So today, as you maybe encounter things that were not expected, as we live in a world that's incredibly uncertain right now. Know that God is still at work. And though we may have had ambitions two years ago that are not realized today, and they may never be realized this side of heaven, we can still be assured that if we're continuing to pursue the mission that God's called us to, that we haven't somehow missed out on anything. But rather, we are a part of the greatest thing That we could ever participate in. And that is the gospel reaching every single man, woman, and child. So, brothers and sisters, as we start another week, if it's a hard Monday to get going, or maybe you feel like the week ahead is a little bit overwhelming, please don't lose sight of those who have never been told of Him, who will see. And those who will never have heard of Him, they will understand. Let this be our mission and our measure of success, trusting the Lord to fulfill his promises. This week, we want to encourage you to pray alongside of us. In light of that mission, in light of what God is doing, we'd invite you to pray with us this week, specifically for hungry. Would you join us in praying for families and process as they wait? Would you you pray for families who specifically have dossiers registered at the central authority at the ministry? Pray for the discrimination against the Roma children and the population as a whole in this area of the world. Pray that the Lord would protect these children from discrimination and that he would open up greater opportunities for them to hear and to know the gospel. Would you pray for a family as they currently are in country? bonding with their child for the first time as parents, that that bonding would take place and be rich and strong. Pray for a family that needs a specific final letter from the ministry in order to begin preparing for travel. Would you pray that they would receive this letter soon so that they can travel in this month? Would you pray for a family that will be leaving in March to begin their process in country? Would you pray for their favor in the eyes and the ears of those they will meet and that that process would continue smoothly, but more importantly, that it will continue in such a way that they can truly share the gospel with all of those that they come into contact with? Would you pray this week on Wednesday? Would you pray for our team, Jackie and Brianna, Brooke and Timmy Ann? Would you pray for their endurance and their joy in their work every single day as they encounter various obstacles? Would you pray for Adam, our head and lead team member on the ground there in Hungary? Would you pray for him as he navigates the adoption process? Would you pray for him to continue to build relationships with government officials so we can continue this program of seeing children come into families who deeply love them and want to share the gospel with them? On Thursday, we'd encourage you to pray, for, uh, pray with us for the country and the government. Pray for that country as a whole, because many Hungarians call themselves Christians, but most families have described it as a spiritually dark country. There are so many religious traditions that are strong, and they divert the focus from the true and real life-changing gospel. Pray that our families who travel would continue to share the gospel when they are in country that they would be lights and darkness to the team on the ground. Pray that the Prime Minister's Office Department for Adoption Affairs and Women's Policy will continue to be in favor of international adoptions and see the urgency that is there for children to move quickly in this process. Pray for Mrs. Sebastian, our contact at the U.S. Embassy, who always helps our families. Would you pray that God would, again, Continue to reveal to her the truth of his gospel and our love for her. Pray for Erica, the head of the central authority, as she works with a new assistant. Pray for a pediatrician, Dr. Boros, as she takes care of our children who are coming through for checkups and for exams. And finally, would you pray for the social workers that serve our children in Hungary, We praise the Lord for them and how they advocate for children in Hungary. Finally, on Friday, we would encourage you to, again, join us in these praises. Praise the Lord for the families who are called to adopt from Hungary. Would you praise the Lord alongside of us for the eight children who have been in United with their forever families already in the last two years in spite of a pandemic? Pray for uh, Adam and all that he does for our families. And really praise the Lord for all of the, the work that he does so faithfully every day. And finally, praise the Lord for our families who shine the light of Christ while they're in country. We have some incredible stories from families who have really amazing opportunities with their child's foster families and with others that they've encountered while in country. We just simply want to join with these people in praising God for all that he's doing. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of these things that God, you are obviously in the midst of doing. God, we ask that you would work in and through uh, those on the ground and our team here at Lifeline as they seek to unite children with families who will care for them, who will love them, and most importantly, demonstrate and share the gospel with them. God, we pray that you would continue to grant favor in the eyes of the authorities on the ground uh, for our processes and for our team. That God, these conversations this paperwork all of the things that have to be done in order for a child to be united the god that they would go smoothly and in such a way that it draws attention to who you are that it draws attention to your goodness and your faithfulness and god even the miraculous things that you do in order for these things to take place god we pray for your protection god for families as they travel god for the program as a whole God, for the body of Christ, because God, we also know that there are real oppositional forces at work. God, to end adoption. God, to end Christianity being a voice. God, to end opportunities for families to be united with children. And so, Father, we pray for protection against that. And God, we thank you for your grace in allowing us to be a part of this mission of truly displaying the gospel, truly displaying your love, your grace, and your truth in the world that we live in. And God, I pray for every listener. And God, as they hear your word, as they hear our efforts, that God, they too would be encouraged, not simply because they were a follower of Jesus, but because, God, you will be faithful to complete the good work that you began in them, bringing us all to a point of maturity and completeness in Christ, At the day of Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for all of these things. We praise you for who you are and we thank you for Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.